Welcome to the New Hope Roanoke podcast that follows our live weekend teachings. We are a church bringing hope to the Roanoke Valley. So please take a moment to subscribe or follow this podcast at the end of the message. And for more information, go to newhoperoanoke.com. You know, I just recently watched a little bit of the new Netflix documentary. Maybe you've heard about it. Uh, It's called, you guys can go ahead and get the offering. Sorry about that. The uh, documentary is called Night on Earth. Have you at least heard about it? Maybe you've seen a trailer for it or something like Night on Earth. Okay, well, this is fascinating because... The, the whole premise is we have new technology that allows us to watch what happens when the sun goes down, right? They use thermal imaging. They have some new cameras that are sensitive, extra sensitive to the moonlight, and they can uh, pull that up. And so they have captured these incredible scenes as to what actually happens on Earth at night that we never knew before. In fact, scientists are now... Uh, watching this footage and they're discovering brand new things about animals and plants and uh, all of all of this sort of life Uh, this group they teamed up with the people that made planet earth 2 and uh, it's a bbc production fantastic uh, really really well done now i wanted to show you the trailer uh, for the first episode it's a six-part series Um, the, the the beginning actually of the first one Uh, but for several reasons I mean there's this like hunting scene where the lion and the antelope and they're like ah you know it's it's awesome but you know kid may there may be kids in the service or something like that and I couldn't figure out how to legally show it so uh we'll we'll do a few still shots all right this is way safer uh for for what we're doing this morning so uh here's a a shot one of the images uh, from the documentary these are cheetahs And you can see here they're using that technology of accentuating the moonlight. This is pitch black except for the moon, and uh, they're able to capture this image. The next one is two scorpions. I mean, check out that, like, fluorescent-looking light that they're emitting. um, And they're actually mating, so let's just move on to the next one. (laughs) The, uh, The last one that I'll show you here is a lion and... Uh, I think this is after the kill, right? Because this is the heat sensing uh, light, and so they can see the thermal uh, heat index that this this animal, all the animals are putting out. And uh, man, after the kill, I'm tired. I'm gonna yawn and take a nap because I am well fed. Oh man, this is just absolutely intriguing. Now, when we think about darkness, this sets us up for what we're going to do. In the book of First John this morning in our new series, Light and Love. Light and Love. I hope you had a great Valentine's Day weekend, by the way. Uh, we, my wife said, we, we should watch a movie. It was Valentine's Day night, Friday night. She said, let's watch a movie. And I said, no, let's watch another episode of Night on Earth. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm just a hopeless, hopeless romantic, but I was like, let's watch some more animals kill each other. This is great. But... Uh, This sets us up for where we're going in 1 John because last week in the introduction we learned that John was an eyewitness to Jesus Christ. 
that John, the apostle, or my favorite nickname for him, the apostle of love. You got to say it like that. This, this John, he is an eyewitness to Jesus, God's full revelation to us, God in the flesh, God's son, Jesus Christ. He meets, walks with, hears the teaching, does the teaching, sees the miracles, does the miracles. He's with Jesus, and it changes his life utterly. And then he invites us to also be changed. He invites us into the fellowship with God and with one another. And he writes about who Jesus is. And then he writes to the church as we're studying here in 1 John in Ephesus. And he's teaching them what does it look like to follow Jesus in this day and this time. So John invites us into that way of life. And today we're going to look at the problem that he addresses. Right out of the gate he says, if we're going to be changed by God, if we're going to have fellowship with God and each other, you and I, we've got a big problem. It's a darkness problem, and we're going to have to deal with the darkness and the sin and the temptation and the lure and the pull away from God so that we can be with God. And there are really two points that he wants to make about God in this entire letter or sermon, if you will. First, God is light, and second, God is love. And so light and love is what we'll be looking at for, for several weeks leading up to Easter. So the first one, God is light. That's where we begin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. It's a declaration. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness... We, do, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you do not sin. By the way, if you're following along there in the Bible app, you've got to click next. This is the worst chapter break in all of the scriptures, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the, the big numbers and the little numbers, those weren't there originally. This just kept on flowing. So we're going to keep on going right into chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I write this to you so that you do not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, for, but for also for the, not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we just begin with this premise. God is light. And we need to sit on that and reflect on that because John spends half of the letter teaching us about light, who God is and what God does, and then what our response should be in, in light of the light. Verse 5 was very clear. This is the message we have heard from him from the beginning. We declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. 
The, the first takeaway for us as Jesus followers is this. We need God's light in a dark world. We need the light of God because we live in a world that is very dark. We know the darkness. We've seen the darkness. We've felt the darkness. As kids or our kids or our grandkids, they're afraid of the darkness. And we have 12 nightlights, you know, around the house so that they, because we know, we've felt, we've experienced the darkness. And then we've seen the darkness even in our own hearts and souls. And that's the most terrifying part of all of this. That we have a darkness in us, a sinful nature, a, a, an opposition to God. Our hearts rebel. There's this depravity that exists within us. And because of that, we need God's light. And all the religions of the world, almost all of them, they talk about the contrast of light and darkness. And Christianity is the same. This idea of light and dark. It goes all the way back to the beginning of the scriptures, the Torah, Genesis chapter 1, first page of the Bible. We learn that God, he is the spirit of God, he is hovering over the darkness. And what does God do? He speaks and he says, let there be, yeah, light. So out of the darkness comes light. God's trajectory since the beginning of creation is bringing light out of darkness bringing order out of chaos. God is calling light out of the darkness, and he's inviting us into that light because God himself is light. And the scriptures speak about this light all throughout. There's a popular one in Psalm 119.105. If you were uh, in VBS as a kid and you did a memory verse, this was probably one of the ones that, that you memorized. And even if you didn't, you could fill in the blank here for us. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The scriptures illuminate. They bring light to the steps ahead of us so that we can know the way. One of my favorites is in Isaiah chapter 49. At the end of verse 6, it says there that God is speaking, I will make you a light for the Gentiles. I love this because God is saying to his people, you, my people, you are a light to everyone else in the world, so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. God wants all people to know the light that is God. God's nature is light. And God, he, he reveals himself to us, and we get to see the function of God, and we get to see what he asks and respect, expects of us in response to his light. Of course, John, the, the author that we're reading here, he's no stranger to this idea of light. In his gospel about Jesus, over 40 different times he uses the word light. And right out of the gate in 1 John 1, light and darkness, God is light. This is a beautiful image and metaphor, and it helps teach us about who God is. But also, it's contrasted, this light, with darkness. And so we have to talk about if God is light, there is one who exists that is darkness. There is one that we call the enemy, the devil, who stands opposed to God, and he wants to lead people away from the light. He wants to trick people in the darkness. He wants to 
kill, steal, and destroy, and that activity happens in darkness, and he stands opposed to everything that God wants for you and for me, that God has for his people. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says it this way, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy, the devil, he prowls like a lion, like the Netflix documentary, Night on Earth. He waits, he lies in wait, he tries to isolate the weak antelope away from the rest of the security of the believers. He waits for the right moment so that he can tack and a, a pounce on his prey. That's the tactic of the enemy, the devil. In fact, the documentary teaches us that 90% of all kill, lion kills, happen at night. They know that now. One other fun statistic was we watched the jungle episode, right, on, on Valentine's Day. Woo. And the, the moon is 400,000 times dimmer than the sun, and only 2% of the moonlight reaches the floor of the jungle. It is dark there. And in that darkness, we cannot find our way, and we are vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Have you been led astray? Have you been led away? Is there some sense in which the devil, your enemy and ours, is trying to pull you away from God and his light into the darkness so that you can be attacked? John chapter 8 verse 44 also calls him the father of lies. I bring this passage up because it's what John is talking about. He goes back and forth. He says, if we claim this, but we don't do it, then we're a liar. If we claim this, but we don't do it, we deceive ourselves in the truth. If we claim this, but don't, there's a, there's a lie at stake. And one of the chief tactics of the enemy is to deceive, to lie to us. He is the father of of lies, and those lies lead us into darkness. In fact, when, when we lie, we find ourselves in the darkness with the father of lies. And it's in that place, whether you're a Christian or whether you've never accepted Christ, it's that place where God invites you to come out of the darkness and to come into his light. Because in the light, there is freedom, there is joy, there is hope in the light that does not exist in the darkness. And that's the second truth that I want to pull from the scriptures here is that we need truth in the face of lies. We li live in a world full of lies and deception and falsehood and what we need is we need spoken into that the truth, the light of God. Because light it ex it exposes, it purifies, it illuminates, it reveals. That's what light does. And so light is always truth and in the light we experience truth but in the darkness we only experience lies Ravi Zacharias a popular uh, apologist says it like this sin will take you farther than you want to go it will keep you longer than you want to stay and it will cost you more 
than you want to pay. Sin is a lie. Sin is actually always something that was good, that was a gift of God, that's distorted, that, that's less than or that's taken further than what God intended. It, it, it is not true. And so we have to speak truth into the lie so that we can be brought into the light. The word lie here in the Greek language is the word pseudomai. And, and I share this because it's where we get the word pseudonym, right? A fake writer, a, a second author, a, a, a name that is not the actual name. And it means to lie, to speak a deliberate falsehood, or to deceive. And that's what the father of lies does. Where in your life and mine have we been deceived? Where has a lie been spoken over you and you need the truth of God spoken over that moment, over that part of your life so that you can be brought back into the light. The lie leads you to the darkness, but truth leads you into the light. And that's what he says here in the first part of verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with God, but we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. I, I want to highlight that just for a minute because the word live there on the screen is actually the verb do. In the original Greek language, it's poieo. And so literally this reads, we lie and we do not do the truth. You, you, you don't live, you don't do the truth if you claim this. I, I point this out because what's going on here. When we see what John is doing, he's asking us to walk in a certain way. There's a pattern, a habit, a, a direction that he wants us to walk. We either are walking in darkness, further into darkness, or we're walking into light, further into truth. And there are two ways of doing this. And John is begging us, don't walk in light, don't walk in darkness, instead walk in light, walk in truth. We could uh, put up the chart here, if you would, Todd. There, there's a, a linguistic thing, poetic thing that John is doing in this section where he says, if you do this, then it's not going to work. Instead, do this. So verses 6 and 7 contrast one another. He does the same thing three different times. So the first part is, we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie, do not live the truth. But, on the contrary... This contrast, if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Not just with God, but we have fellowship with one another because God is light. And if we're walking toward the light, then we're as brothers and sisters, arm in arm, walking, following our big brother Jesus as children of God toward the light. We'll have fellowship with one another if we'll walk toward the light. And that, that blood of Jesus, it purifies us from sin. He goes on and he does the same thing again. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. And if we claim we haven't sinned, we make him out to be a liar. His word isn't in us. But, but my dear children, I write this to you so that you won't sin. Jesus is your advocate. Jesus is your atoning sacrifice. He goes back and forth. Now, the reason I point this out is because it sets us up for something we're going to do in the weeks ahead. 
many scholars believe that John is addressing a small faction of people in the church. And these people, they are making false claims. They are telling lies to the body of Christ. They're causing division. And they believe that John, on the left-hand column here, is quoting those liars, those divisive people, the faction causing trouble in the church. And they would say things like this. Oh, we have fellowship with God. But then in their lifestyle, they're showing they actually, they're walking in darkness. They don't have fellowship with the light. Or they would say, if we could even believe this, if we could imagine it, they would say, we don't have sin. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Let me walk with you for about five minutes and I'll show, you know, that, that's us, right? We're the judgmental nature. That's our own sin, right? But we don't have any sin. John's going, oh, you are misled. Then if we claim to be that we have not sinned, like literally, there isn't sin in our nature. John's going, oh, you are so wrong about this. And I want to, in love, lead you into the light so that you can be in fellowship with God and with all of us. So he's protecting this grandfatherly figure, this elder and shepherd of the body. He's protecting the flock from this lie, from this deception. You know, um, lies, they destroy our lives. They destroy our relationships. Uh, they destroy us in every facet, in our family, in our friend circles, in our jobs, in our finances, in our hobbies. Lies, they lead us to places that we are devastated by. Uh, in fact, I, I, maybe you saw this in the news. I read a news story last month uh, uh, out of Sacramento, California. This mom and her daughter, they were driving down the interstate when the daughter, this juvenile girl in the back seat, held up a sign to the window. And it said this, help me, she's not my mom, help, to which the sheriff's department was dispatched. As you could imagine, they think an abduction has taken place. And so they send Units immediately, someone calls 911, and they, I, I wrote this down because you, <laughs> this language is important. They did a high risk enforcement stop, all right? All of the police department uh, folks in the room know what that means. Uh, they did a high risk enforcement stop, but it came to be discovered that this was all a lie, a hoax. This little girl thought that it would be funny to hold this sign up, and they dispatched the police department, they, they use their resources in this way and instead of other serious crimes that may be taking place. And uh, anyway, the, the, the end of the story is they, they let this, this mom and her daughter go because it's the first offense, but they give them a stern talking to. Oh boy, social media had a heyday with this, right? On Facebook, all the moms and grandmas and everybody, they're going, oh no, there was a lot of feedback to this story as you could imagine. Some people were accusing the mom of saying, oh, you should know what your kid's doing in the back seat. And I'm going, wow, well, she's looking that way, but you know, I, okay, maybe there's a mirror. I see both sides of the story. Uh, but, but most of the, the reaction was toward this little girl who was old enough to write, right? She, know, she should know better. And uh, I loved what one person said on Facebook, Find the driver, the mom, or give the kid a ticket. Make that child work some community service. 
I'm sorry doesn't cut it. This child needs repercussions. If she's old enough to write, she can work in the community. And that's like, that's what we're thinking, right? Give me up. That was my kid. <laughs> but lies do this, right? They, they, lies do this in our relationships in our lives. They, they destroy us. They deceive us. They speak falsehood. And they take us to places that we never wanted to be. So God... He provides a way out. He gives us a gift. Here's the gift of God. It's this word, confession. Confession. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins. Now, notice this. The word confession in the original language, it's the word homo legeo. All right? So we are homo sapiens, right? Alike. And then legeo is, is to speak. The word homologeo, it means to say the same thing as another to agree with. You know what confession is? Confession is saying what it is that you've actually done. It's just speaking the truth. God already knows it, and you're just telling God, I did that. I'm not proud of it. I'm sorry. I'm not boasting, but I own it. I take responsibility. I said that. I did that. I went to that website. I destroyed this relationship. I burned this thing down. Yeah, I take responsibility. I confess. I say, God, what you already know. That's confession. By the way, we're doing a few Greek words here. Uh, you have to forgive me because um, when you take Greek, uh, when, when you get into advanced Greek in Bible college and seminary, they have you translate 1 John. All right, so... <laughs> I've been through 1 John a little bit, and uh, these words stand out. And the truth is this. We don't really know Greek that well. Uh, it's just that 1 John's the simplest to translate and shortest, so we translate that book. So, you know, here, you're going to get some Greek. Is that all right? Okay, all right. It's all Greek to us. So here's what happens. When we confess, when we confess, two things happen. There's forgiveness, and there's purification. And those teach us about God, who is light. God wants to forgive God wants to release the debt that you owe him. God wants to purify. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to wash you. He wants to make you clean again. In fact, uh, there's a quote from uh, Gary Burge. He's a scholar, and he wrote a commentary on 1 John. It's one of my favorites. Here's what he writes about this idea of purifying. He says this, John's word for cleansing which in the Greek, in the NIV, they say purify. In Greek, it's katharizo, which is fun. Does not simply imply forgiveness. It does imply forgiveness, but not simply forgiveness. It suggests the removal of defilement, the elimination of some stain, so that the consequences of that condition no longer have ongoing effects. Cleansing has the future in mind so that it repairs wrought by God uh, uh, will have permanent results. So the idea here is that God removes the sin, he removes the stain, he cleanses and purifies us from unrighteousness because God is the light. And one of the aspects of light is that it purifies, it exposes, and it cleans. And this is the work of Jesus, which we read about in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It, it said there, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. God doesn't want us to sin. He wants us to go away from the darkness. 
But he knows that even after we accept Christ, even after we begin following Jesus, that we're going to continue to struggle with the flesh, the temptation, the allure of this world, our own lusts, our own pride and ego, whatever it is, our anger, our deception. And because of that, we're going to be tempted back into the darkness. And so John immediately says, but if anyone does sin, don't sin. But when you do, when we struggle with sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Here's the last truth. We need an advocate when our sin stands against us. Our sin, your sin and mine, it it stands against us. It speaks against us. It tries to take us away from God and into the darkness And we need an advocate who will speak truth into that moment so that we can stand up against the enemy so that he will flee. So that we can stand in the light and the truth of God that brings freedom and joy and love and grace. We need an advocate when our sin stands against us, and that's what Jesus does. Now, two aspects here. Jesus is an advocate, and Jesus is an atoning sacrifice. The last time I'll do it to you this morning. This word advocate, it's the word parakletos. And we call the Holy Spirit the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. Jesus is also an advocate, one who comes alongside. This is especially in regard to helping or to bringing aid to someone. Jesus comes alongside of us in our temptation, in our struggle, in our sin, and he stands in our defense. When I was in Bible college, I went to this African-American church, and the sermon that morning was just on this verse, really. The pastor, he just waxed eloquently on this word, and I, I won't even attempt to redo it, but it was amazing, and he just kept saying, Jesus is our defense attorney. And oh man, it was like he just kept going over and over. He is the one who stands in your defense in the court of law. And it was powerful because it was true. Jesus stands in your defense and mine as an advocate when we face sin and temptation and the enemy. You know, uh, last month we, uh, we heard the devastating news that this helicopter in California had crashed and that nine people uh, were killed upon impact, and uh, two of the people on the helicopter were Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianni. And uh, as we followed that news story, I I looked into the lives of the different people uh, that were deceased that day, uh, the legacy that they left, the things that we learned. One of the stories that I found just so compelling was about Kobe Bryant himself. Uh, There was this incident where he was He was playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. He's an NBA basketball star. I guess I shouldn't take anything for granted here. (laughs) Uh, uh, Kobe was going to play the Phoenix Suns. Uh, His team was in Phoenix playing the Suns. And ahead of that game, uh, one of the doctors, he had a patient, a five-year-old boy named Kobe, uh, who was terminally ill. And this, this little boy loved basketball. He loved Kobe Bryant. And so the doctor thought, well, maybe I can send an email and make a few connections. Maybe I can get an autographed something from Kobe for Kobe. And uh, so anyway, the email went out, and through a network of friends, Kobe Bryant read the email, and he decided, I actually, 
I don't want to send a gift. I want to go in person, and I want to spend some time with this kid. Uh, Kobe, the little five-year-old, was from the reservation in Arizona. And so Kobe Bryant went in and met him. His rule was this, no PR, no, no security, no cameras. I, when, I, when he did this kind of thing, he just wanted it to be done anonymously. And so he had it all set up. He pulls up in his limo, and they had a basketball court set up. And they take this little kid, Kobe, out, and they played basketball for an hour together. And he signed all these things, and he gave it to this kid. And it was an incredible moment. As Kobe left that day, uh, he got back into the car and he asked the person who knew, he said this, he said, is this a financial thing? Because I can take care of that. But it wasn't a financial thing, it was a, it was a heart defect. The boy was too weak for a transplant and uh, you know, tragically, unfortunately, he, he passed away a week later. But his mom wrote a letter of thanks and appreciation. She said he was so happy that day. Those were the best moments of his entire life. I don't know his story, but when he was from the reservation there in Arizona, maybe he didn't have someone that spoke up for him. And yet in this moment, someone came alongside of him as an advocate and said, I'll play ball with you. I'll do what I can. Maybe uh, he didn't have the resources financially to do all the things that he wanted to do, but Someone came alongside and said, is this a financial thing? I'll do what I can. Out of the kindness and generosity of my heart, I will stand with this young kid. Whatever it was that's going on in his life, he, in that moment, he had an advocate. And that's what Jesus does for us. And it's not a financial thing that you and I face. It's really not a relational thing. Thing that we face. It's not a security or a future kind of thing. It, the problem that we face is our own darkness. It's our sin and it's our temptation. And Jesus Christ is the advocate, the defense attorney who stands on our behalf when we need him in those moments. And he's not only an advocate, he is an atoning sacrifice. Uh, the, the word that we use in the old English is propitiation. He is an appeasing entity and sacrifice. He's a propitiating force that takes care of the judgment and the wrath of God on our behalf. Jesus takes our penalty and we get his righteousness and forgiveness and grace. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. And in this way, th this little five-year-old boy, he experienced light and love. We, today, in the full sense, through John's letter, we experience the light and the love that is God in his son, Jesus Christ. If you have yet to place your faith in Jesus, we would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Christ. What it means to give yourself to Jesus so that his atoning sacrifice and advocacy takes effect in your life. I'll be down front after the service. Jason will be in the back. We'll have prayer partners down front. If there's any way that we can help you in your faith journey, we would love to talk to you as the service uh, closes. But we'll also be challenged in this way as Christians. Those of us who find ourselves in the faith, we've accepted Christ, we've, we've received forgiveness, but we still struggle with the temptation of this world. 
The challenge for us as Christians is this, walk in the light. Is there some part of your life and mind that has been darkened? Is there some foothold that has yet to be released in truth to God? Confess it. Get rid of the darkness and live in the joy and the freedom that is the light who is God. And we can do that because God is a gracious and loving Heavenly Father ready to forgive and purify through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, His Son. Let me close with a word of prayer and then we'll be dismissed. God, we are so grateful for Jesus Christ and what He's done on our behalf. And we pray today that whatever is going on in our lives that you would, you would shine a light, that we would be uh, confessing to you, to a, to a friend, a confidant. We want to be in the light because we know that that's what's best, and yet because of fear, uh, because of many, many things, the temptation of the evil one, we shroud ourselves in secrecy. We hide. We sow fig leaves and try to hide our own nakedness, but God, you see through all of that, and you still love us, and we thank you, and we ask that you would Pour your love and your grace, your forgiveness, and your healing over each one of us this day and this week. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.